Warning. The following contains massive spoilers for the designated series. Listener discretion is advised. You're listening to the Television Archive. The show where we, the television-loving hordes of the internet, take a deep dive into what used to be in our beloved medium. My name is Thomas Michael Clark, and this is Fringe. Today we will be discussing Season 2, Episode 5, titled Dream Logic. Uh, Yet another very, very good episode that marks the end of this hellish four-day period of me trying to record two weeks' worth of television archives in advance because RTX is happening, and I'm going to be spending all my time covering that, essentially. (laughs) Jesus, you have no idea. You have no idea. Pretty much everything you've heard over the last two weeks, from 116 to now was recorded between the periods of Friday, September 11th, and Monday, September 14th. Uh, I recorded 116 Friday, 117 and 118 Saturday. Sunday was the real bad one, where I did 119 all the way, all the way through 204. So six episodes, one after the other, after the other, after the other, after the other, all in one day. And then today I'm ending this off with 205, so I'm finally out of this, I'm finally going to be out of this self-imposed hate loop that I've been in for several days now. Oh my god, you better appreciate this. You better have appreciated the last two weeks of content, because I put myself through hell to get those out on time. Anyway, enough about me, let's talk about the episode. So, the hook of this episode is that there's a man in Seattle who, out of nowhere, attacked his boss, beat him to death, didn't remember doing it, and had this, like, weird, rapid eye motion when it happened. And then when he's questioned about it by Olivia and Peter, he starts thrashing around... His hair turns white, and he dies. And when we're examining him, it looks like he's dying of... It looks like he died of exhaustion. Which makes no sense. So we kind of have to dive into this and figure out what the hell was going on. By the way, there's a very, very good character moment where after... Uh, Being dragged to Seattle, Walter, like, begs Peter to let him go home. Begs Peter to let him go back to Boston. Uh, Because the city, like, it's wet and it has this smell and it reminds him way too much of St. Clair's. So he ends up, like, going all the way back to Boston. It's It's a nice little character moment of just seeing how the residual trauma of St. Clair's continue, continues to affect Walter even this far into the show. Uh, But he goes all the way back to Boston to examine this body, uh, along with this FBI agent, who I feel so, so bad for. (laughs) This agent has the worst job of babysitting Walter. This agent gets put through so much hell. You can't help but feel bad for him, but also... 
God, is everything that happens to him funny? <laughs> it's pretty great. Uh, but we investigate this, and we find that this guy had a biochip implanted in his brain that was essentially, like, curing sleep issues he was having. Um, he was struggling with sleepwalking, chronic sleepwalking, and he had this biochip put in his head as part of this big clinical trial that was helping him with that. And... Next body to drop. Next person who has this happen. By the way, did I forget to mention this dude saw demons? I absolutely forgot to mention this dude saw demons. That's kind of an important thing to skip over. (laughs) Yeah, he was seeing straight up demons. So he was like in this waking nightmare and couldn't distinguish dreams from reality. But this biochip was in his head. The next body to drop also has one in her head. So, we have this connection, and we go to the doctor who implanted this stuff in them. We go to the specialist who implanted these chips in their heads. And this guy immediately is horrified, and is like, Oh, God, this was supposed to help people. I I don't know how this is happening. It shouldn't be able to hurt people. I don't know what's going on, but I'm going to help you. I'm going to... I'm going to provide you with as many names of as many patients as I can remember... Uh, I'm going to help you bring them all in so that we can take the chips out of them. Uh, We find out that his lab's been ransacked and his files have been taken. All of his patient files are gone. And the backups on his private server were deleted and there's no evidence of a hack. So it had to have been an inside job. And so, we're left, like, scratching our heads, like, okay, who's doing this? Who in this facility is doing this? And how and why? Uh, There's a theory going around that maybe this is mind control. And this only escalates when we find out that a certain assistant didn't show up for work and is not answering his phone. This dude, Zach, they go to his apartment, find him very dead, and our guy gets a note saying, stop talking to the feds or end up like Zach. So this guy now has a full-blown threat against his life, and he's talking to the, he's talking to Olivia and Peter about it, and they're like, okay, we're gonna give you a productive detail, we're gonna, uh watch over you and make sure nothing happens to you. And then as soon as they leave, he calls someone and leaves a voicemail saying, I told them about your note, so you might as well stop. Please. Implying that he knows exactly who's doing this. Implying that he knows exactly what's going on and exactly who's targeting these people. While this is happening, Walter decides that he wants to test the biochip on a human. And he chooses, as his unfortunate victim, the FBI agent that is assigned to watch him. 
He knocks him out with this, like, uh, smelling concoction. Uh, puts, like, a little net over his head that can allow the biochip to uh, be aff- to affect him while not being inside his head. And tests the mind control theory on him. That doesn't do anything. By the way, I love Astrid just scolding Walter over, like, Walter, what happened to the agent? <laughs> What did you do? <laughs> what? Did you put the chip inside his head, Walter? Did you put the chip inside his head? <laughs> Astrid being like the disappointed parent. Astrid is Walter's disappointed mother in this series. <laughs> she really is. And she occupies that role so well. And I love it, and they have such a great dynamic. (laughs) I don't talk about Astrid nearly enough, but Astrid is wonderful to watch. Watching all of Astrid's scenes with Walter, it is just so utterly wonderful. How Astrid just reacts to and handles Walter. Walter constantly forgetting Astrid's name. And it's just, oh, it's great. It's really, really great. (laughs) Uh, I I don't talk about that dynamic nearly enough. I really should spend more time on it. But a side effect comes with his test that kind of recontextualizes everything. He basically goes on this bizarre drug trip. Goes on this bizarre high. And from doing this, he realizes, okay, wait a minute. This biochip is stealing people's dreams. Like, siphoning off their dreams before they have them. And sending them to some server. Which basically means their brain's not properly resetting, so they are dying of exhaustion. And, what's more than that, this on its own, like, is not horrific... Or anything, like, it's just a thing that could happen over time and would have just come up naturally. Where we get our horror show, where we get our straight-up horror show, is when someone activates a waking dream state in someone. Starts to activate this process of siphoning off dreams while they're awake. And... Basically, these people can no longer differentiate between reality and dreams and just go nuts and end up getting killed because of it. End up getting killed by this, like, rapid progression of a fundamental flaw on the chip that was already there and would have shown up eventually. And basically... Whoever's doing this is, like, addicted to this. Like, there's a rush that comes with it. Like, this euphoric thing. Like, the most pleasant dream you've ever had multiplied tenfold. At this point, a light bulb goes off in Olivia's head, talks about her stepfather being an addict, and was like, well, it was like he had two personalities. Like, one when he was sober and one when he was very much not. And... She compares 
handwriting on the patient list and handwriting on the note that our doctor got, Dr. Nyack, and they're the same person. They're the same handwriting. And so this is Dr. Nyack, a separate personality of Dr. Nyack that is doing all this stuff. So we rush over to Dr. Nyack as he is operating this again, this time on a pilot who is flying a seaplane and about to crash into a boat. And is about to crash into a boat because he's in this waking dream state. This waking nightmare state. Forgot to mention that <laughs> this waking dream state is not... It, there's no universe in which it's pleasant. It's always a nightmare. I, I should have mentioned that. This episode is a lot of me forgetting things that I skipped over. I'm, I'm, I'm very much waltering it. This episode. Oh, didn't I mention that? <laughs> didn't I mention? Didn't I mention that this kills people? Didn't I mention that this was a bioweapon? Didn't I mention this, 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 and this very important detail that I definitely didn't mention? <laughs> I'm definitely going that route. Uh, but he's in this waking nightmare state, about to crash into a boat, and Olivia and Peter show up in his basement where he's doing this experiment, where he's getting this high. Olivia shoots the machine that's doing this. It shuts down. The pilot is safe. He's able to pull away from the boat. He's able to pull up just in time. And Dr. Nyack's dead. And we see that, like, all the dials on this machine are cranked up to the red, implying that he wasn't aware of what his darker side was doing until that day, and wanted to stop it. So he cranked the dials up, like, subconsciously. He was able to crank the dials up, take control for a brief second, and be like, nope, you're done. Went out to save all of his other patients who weren't affected yet. Uh, But that's good, that's done, we're all good on that angle. Uh, We also have a very good subplot that I want to talk about uh, of Olivia sort of getting over what happened to Charlie Francis and the trauma of having to kill something that looks like her partner who she didn't know was dead but now knows 100% is dead, Charlie Francis. And she goes back to Sam Weiss and talks to him about it and he's like, okay, I have a task for you. And sends her on her way. And basically what he tasks her with doing is taking business cards from everyone wearing red. If someone wears red, get a business card from them. And then Samwise calls her back at one point and is like, okay, circle a letter in each name first and last. And then write all the letters down and then do a jumble, word puzzle anagram and it'll go to whatever you need to hear and Olivia does the thing and it goes to you're gonna be fine the same thing that Charlie said to her years ago when she was first a rookie in the FBI and scared on her first assignment it's this really cathartic subplot that I really, really like. It's a very, very nice little 
character arc for Olivia to just kind of stew in this Charlie Francis, this Char- Charlie Francis trauma that she has. It's very, very well done. I really, really like it. And more of Sam Weiss just being a really friggin' cool character. I love this dude. We also get an ending that is very curious. Peter has a nightmare where he's a kid. Walter shows up in his room. And then something happens. He gets snatched out of his bed. And then Peter wakes up. And Walter's there like, son, you were talking in your sleep. And Peter's like, yeah, I had a, I had a bad dream. And Walter's like, okay, uh, can you talk about it? And Peter tells him all he knows. And Walter's like, you don't remember anything else? And Peter's like, no. And Walter's like, okay, good night. And continues to watch him as he goes back to sleep. Very weirdly. I will remind you there's very much a grave that says Peter Bishop in the graveyard that Walter visited in the last uh, in the last season's finale. I'll remind you of that. I'm not saying they're connected. Just feel like this is a nice opportunity to remind you that that is very much a thing and it's still very much not confirmed what the hell that means. So yeah, that's it. Solid episode all around. Thank God I am done with this hellish binge session. I could take a couple weeks off from talking about Fringe, where in your perspective, it'll just be the weekend. Uh, it'll be two weeks for me, because like time is relative, and this was pre-recorded by quite a while. Anyway, not the point. You don't care about all that behind-the-scenes garbage. Uh, if you like this... Favorite the podcast, anchor.fm slash TV archives. You can be here every single Monday through Friday as I go through every single episode of this and other shows. And you can find it on pretty much whatever podcast or app you prefer. Feel free to call in as well as simple as just a push of a button on the Anchor app. I'll play those on the show from time to time if you feel so inclined to send those in. Follow me on Twitter and Instagram, TomTom4468, and support the show. Patreon.com slash Thomas Clark pledges a dollar a month. I appreciate everything I get through there. If you become a patron, you can also get access to the Television Archive Supplemental, which I'll be putting up there once every month. Or, if that doesn't work for you, you can also support the show directly via Anchor. I appreciate that as well. On Monday, we will be discussing Season 2, Episode 6. Talk to you then.